0: Bibles to the fifth chapter of Luke. we will be looking at a short, very familiar passage in Scripture we're all familiar with. This was kind of another one of those deals where I uh, changing horses in the middle of the stream. I was uh, was preparing to polishing up another message for tonight, and I was doing a devotional <coughs> Monday, I think it was, and I came across this verse and I, and uh, some commentary by Brother Spurgeon, and I thought it was something that was uh, germane, something that was uh, important for me, important for us to uh, consider tonight. <coughs> so, this account <coughs> from Scripture takes place. Near the very beginning of the Lord's ministry, he'd, um, these accounts, other accounts of this in in the other Gospels, Matthew and Luke, expand on what's uh, uh, described here in Luke 5. And the Lord knew the men that are involved Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, these fishermen from the time of the baptism of John, had. He had uh, been with them several times leading up to this time, but they'd gone back fishing, back to their trade. But the, what's going to happen here now is when he, he formally calls them to the ministry and they would follow him for the next three and a half years <clears throat> until the time of his crucifixion. But that's not what we're going to focus on. I'm not going to focus on their calling (coughs) as much as what we can learn from this lesson as it relates to the matter of evangelism or soul winning, particularly as it relates to our native ministry. So (coughs) let's read and then we'll begin. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it's recorded in God's word, the Bible. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, or the lake, sea of Galilee, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night, and have taken nothing, nevertheless at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both their ships, so that they began to sink. (coughs) When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. (coughs) Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll continue. (coughs) Wonderful God, we're, we're thankful that we have the opportunity to come before you this <coughs> this evening for a matter of worship and praise and honor to you great God. We thank you for uh, the gift of salvation. <coughs> we thank you for raising up Black Road Baptist Church and making it a lighthouse to the uh, to the peoples of North Pole, Fairbanks and Alaska and that you've treasured us with missionaries. A missionary in Beirut, Lebanon and supporting missionaries uh, all across the, the, the whole world Lord, and you helping us to fulfill the great commission to go on to all the peoples of this earth. Lord, we have, uh, I have special consideration tonight for the native peoples of the villages of our state of Alaska. Lord, uh, the depth of their the darkness that they walk in many of these villages, these peoples, is so great. It's only going to take the, the light of the gospel. It's only going to take your light as it shines upon them to bring them to the truth. Oh, Lord, uh, we pray for the souls of the native population of Alaska. That, Lord, you give us souls for our labor. Lord, that we could see your hand working in power, to draw them into the nets, Lord, that they could be one for Christ, that we could know others born into your forever family. Churches started, praise God. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Okay, there was one point that I wanted to look at in verse 2. They had been, these men had been out on the lake all night fishing, and they came back and they are washing their nets. This had to be done, of course, they you may not know. If you didn't wash out your nets, then in quick time, then they would start to rot out and they would develop holes and stuff and they wouldn't be very, very efficient. And the fact that when Jesus came to Simon, he had him, the multitudes were coming to hear him, pressed in on him and they had him right on the shores of the lake and he had him go out on the lake with the, the boat, probably not very far, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but I have numbers of times in Minnesota when I was out on the lake in an evening especially, get on the lake when you're out fishing, and you could hear people way on the other side of the lake talking just like they were right next to you because of the acoustical uh, phenomena that's, that's, that's produced by the, the over, when you're over water like that. And so Jesus preached and he taught, and then... <coughs> And then when they let down, and then when he had finished, he he went to these fishermen that were already tired. You know, they were they'd been working all night, they'd heard the preaching now, and he tells them, uh, get back out there, <laughs> I want you to go back fishing again. And <clears throat> Simon, true to uh to himself, he did not uh uh he did not really quaver. He said, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And he did, and he came in with this tremendous haul of fishes, so that he was singularly amazed. And I want you to note something here. This is something I just actually saw today. In verse 5, I want you to note there, when, when Simon answered, Jesus, he said, Master, Master, like Rabboni, teacher. When he, when he addresses him again after this miracle has occurred, he says, For I am a sinful man, O Lord. He now truly recognized Jesus for who he was. He was a saved man, but he was also already learning some great, great, great things about this man that he was now going to be working with, this man that he was called to preach and was going to be serving, well, for the rest of his life. And so, for the purposes of this message, we want to look at three things. Number one, I want to look at the necessity of human involvement. Number two, we're going to look at the means by themselves are utterly unavailing. That was the work that they were about. And that Christ's presence confers success. The necessity of human involvement. We learn from this narrative that this draft of fishes was indeed miraculous. Neither the fisherman nor the boat nor his fishing tackle are to be ignored, well, though there was, there was nothing miraculous in them themselves. But they were all used to take the fishes. So it is in the saving of souls, God works by human means. And while the present economy of grace still stands and sh- shall stand forever, God will be pleased by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe the gospel. And that's exactly what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21. For after this, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. <clears throat> now just for fun, or not for fun, but for an example, turn over to Isaiah 52 verse 7. I found it it's a good tool. It's a good discipline when you see, Somewhere where it says where it was it was written or so, something like that. Then to go and look and try and find where it, where the source reference is. Isaiah 52, verse 7. <clears throat> and this is really, <laughs> this is just a beautiful, beautiful description that God gives here of how he chooses to work. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful, beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, uh, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Well, the Bible says that by the wisdom of God, the gospel message goes out the wisdom of God is greatly contrasted with the wisdom of men. God's wisdom is all wisdom and all knowing from the, from the design of the first Adam to the, to the, to the star-studded universe. Uh, this great God has all the wisdom that is available uh, for us in this time and forever. To consider that, that God's wisdom is so great, so awesome as himself. This is the God that created everything in existence, that could take the galaxies and that could string them like pearls on a necklace, should he choose, That, that there is no thought known nor ever will be anything that he will not know or have experiential truth of. And it says that, that the world by wisdom knew not God. Again, the Bible says that the fool in his heart says that there is no God. And increasingly we see in the, in the world around us today not just antipathy towards Christians or Christianity, but opposition to the, to the gospel message and the reality of a creator God. So it says here, though, that it pleased God. It's something that pleases God. This is something that's after God's own heart. That by the foolishness of preaching, not that preaching is foolish, but that to the, to the fool, to the foolish, the gospel makes no sense to them. For those that have uh, the idea that there is no God, or they've already formed their own little g God in their, in their heart or their mind. There's no room for this God that, that demands obedience, that claims to be and is the, the sovereign God of heaven and earth and all that is. And the bottom line of it is it's through the preaching, the preaching and teaching, the sharing of the gospel that, that people are saved, that they're brought to believing faith and rescued from the fires of hell. This is the the task, this is the business that we're about as a church, Blackwood Baptist Church, is taking the gospel to the world's people who are in spiritual darkness. And you know that we've we've surveyed the native villages from north to south. As I was counting back on their uh, I think it was last Sunday, I counted 37 villages. I think there may have been some more. I'm not sure, if I might have missed some, but 37 villages, hundreds of households, and each one filled with lost people, filled with people of false religions. Um, Having had some Communication with when I lived, especially in southeastern Alaska, with native folks, um, I came to know something of their belief systems. That pantheism is still rampant in their in their in their traditional cultures. That it's 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 married into many of their religious beliefs, even in those that claim Catholicism, Protestantism, or so on. the spiritual darkness that has been upon them has been upon them for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. And centuries. Since, they, since those people migrated to where they are here in the, in the coastal parts of Alaska, Lord, they've been isolated for, for many years before, before, the, before the gospel even had a chance to come here when the white man came. But now with that, the opportunity for them to be reached Um, is before us. We have made the effort to to saturate those villages with gospel material, with John Romans and tracts that point out to them the wisdom of God and helping them to deal with real life situations that plague not just native people, but all peoples all time everywhere. And so Well, listen to me add this element before I forget. Um, as I understand, we're now through sending out mails to these villages. But I'm here to tell you that this message is all about that this work is not over, but it's just beginning. I believe with all my heart that God is, is preparing the native peoples to receive the gospel message through the work of this church. I believe that maybe the first step in the door, the first foot in the door may be in Savonga and then Gamble. My brother Wilson has an opportunity to go and do some construction work. As I understand, Pastor Humphrey is, is, uh, is willing to go out there and yoke with him and go out there and do a survey work on that island in those villages. net is being cast again for the souls of men and I've used this analogy before and I'll use it again just briefly um, and we'll look at, this, I'll look at this a little bit later too but the seed has been planted and just because it hasn't brought forth fruit now doesn't mean that it won't in the future you remember when I've talked about how that three years ago I planted wildflower mix out in my yard full of poppies and everything, and I had just incredible, if he's ever over there, it was just solid poppies and, and forget-me-nots and all kinds of flowers. It was just awesome. I had some pictures of it. It was, just, it was like rainbow colors everywhere. Well, they all died off in the fall. But last year a little bit came out, and some of them popped up and came back again, a few, you know, even this this last spring, uh, the clover's growing up, and the weeds are all growing up, and here come the poppies and the bachelor buttons popping up. That seed that had been planted three years ago, three years ago, was just now coming to fruit, and it made very very. Well be the same way with the native populations here in Alaska. It may begin <coughs> it may begin with, with Savonga and Gamble. I don't know. All of a sudden we may hear, and I anticipate hearing more from people that are gonna look to that material to, to help them solve some of the real time problems that are going on. The things in the world and in the native villages is not getting any better. Sin is overtaking the world. It's overtaking the native peoples. They have crime rates (laughs) of numbers of times higher than the national average. What's the solution? The native corporations have been spending hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars for social programs. They don't work. We should pray for anything that those social programs would be seen for what they are and that some of those people would begin picking up the book some of that material we sent to them and, and began looking to it and looking for some answers that can give them some true help, not just about the, for their physical needs, but for their spiritual needs. <coughs> we need to be prepared to go. Romans 10.15 says, And how, how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, and bring glad tidings of good things. Well, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything much very beautiful about my feet or about our feet, but in themselves, the feet that are carrying the gospel, God says it's beautiful. I was thinking today about uh, a book, uh, America, the book that I've read in the past, uh, America in... in, uh, in, uh, Crimson red, I believe it is. And I talked about in the in the early days, as the as the settlers were moving in from the Atlantic coast, they're moving into the heartlands, and there were <clears throat> there were little towns, and there were you know settlers all over through this these areas, and the gospel. is a time of the, what they called the Great Awakening, <clears throat> and I read stories and accounts in there about how that a man would go out, a Baptist man would go out preaching the gospel. And people would get so excited to begin running to their neighbors and so on and say, the Baptists are preaching in Cumberland. We have to go and hear him. They would say, he's going to be coming here soon. We need to get the people together. And people would travel for days and days and days to hear the gospel message preached. God is preparing those people to hear the truth We should pray that God is preparing those native people to prepare to receive the truth when we have opportunity to bring it to them. How beautiful are the feet to them that preach the gospel message. The only way that souls are ever going to be brought to account is through the teaching and preaching of God's word. We have the commission to go and to teach and to preach. We are given the the unction to be witnesses of that which we know to be true. And to share it with all people, all time, everywhere. <clears throat> I think of some of those preachers, even before the circuit riders, even before the circuit, circuit riders, they had the stump stump preachers. I read about how that those those preachers would go along when it was just barely trails, wasn't even roads. They'd find a farmer out in his in his field. He's you know they're they'd cut the trees down. They're planting the corn the preacher would come out there and they start preaching right then and there, right out of the Bible on a stump. Those people had a heart for those souls that that they were ministering to. We need to develop that same kind of heart of sacrifice for the souls of men too, to be willing to go wherever he would have us to go, to be prepared, you young men, to go and accept the calling to go and be prepared to take up the yoke of service, to be able to make a difference in this time, for the Lord, to make a difference for him, that he get the glory working through us, but the gospel message would go out. We know that part of the gospel armor from Ephesians six 6.15 says, and your feet shod, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so that's a part of the Christian spiritual armor that we have to take with us as we go out <clears throat> wherever we go. Well, we're anxious to get boots on the ground perhaps even this spring, and I hope that we do, it's up to the Lord. It's all His, it's His work, we'll lay it in His hands. Um, we just need to, we need to be prepared. I preached a message about, a, a while back about how that God wants to work and He wants to strengthen the inner man. He wants to strengthen the, the spiritual self of we believers, to be prepared to be able to do whatever we can do with 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 prayer, with fasting, with teaching, with preaching, with giving, with going, whatever it takes to make a difference. For certainly, the days are short until the time of the Lord's return. Um, if, if you look at the handwriting on the wall, if you have, the, if you have a heart to look at what's going on in, the, in our country and the world today, you can't, you can't help but believe that the time is short. Until the Lord's going to draw the bottom line and say that's enough. Yeah. He's going to take us out of here. He's going to let the world go through seven years of deep tribulation. Again, all for the world's good. All as a part of his plan. All as a part of his economy. And We're a part of that now. Okay. <clears throat> God gets his glory through his church. Ephesians 3.21. Let me read Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Do you really believe that? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Can we reach all those people? Do you really believe that? God wants us, you know, there's a, God wants us to ask great things that He can do great things. He says, and it's according to the power that worketh in us. Here it is again. We're gonna, we're gonna look at this in a little in a little bit. It's not by us that it's gonna get done. It's gonna, and it's not the means, it's not sending out all that material that's that's gonna win them. It's not that. It's not just through that. It's going to be through God working through our efforts to shake the gospel to them. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. We know we have that dunamas, we have that power. Uh, but, you shall, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and shall be witnesses. Witness just tells, a witness tells what he knows to be true whole truth and nothing but the truth and that we have and that's what we need need to be able to share with the people all time everywhere because as i said the it's god chooses you know it isn't just the it isn't just the material that we sent out but he wants us to be able to be behind that effort. And he wants us to not just, you know, well, he wants us to be prepared to go and to do all that he would have us to do, uh, holding nothing back. And so when it says that if the means by themselves are utter and unavailing, it means simply that, that uh, it's, it's something that's not having the effect desired or it's ineffectual. Again, what was, what was happening was that Peter and those men out in the boat, they had done all that they could do. Uh, they had done everything. They put their heart and their mind to it. It's not that they, they didn't fail because they didn't know what they were doing. It didn't, it didn't fail because they just weren't in the right place. It was, it was because God wanted to teach them something, I believe, about patience and how that he wanted them to trust him. And that in his time and manner, he would give a harvest of souls. Uh, those men that would go out and they would walk with him for those years in his In the days of his ministry, they didn't have an easy time. Uh, It wasn't all uh, wine and roses, but they went because they loved their Lord and they were surrendered to to his authority. Brother Spurgeon comments on this subject. His disciples said, We have toiled all night and taken nothing. What was uh, the reason for this? Were they not fishermen plying their special calling? Well, they were. They were equipped and ready to do whatever they that trade. They were not rookies, they were not raw hands. They understood the work. Had they gone about the toil unskillfully? No. Had they lacked industry? No, they had toiled all night. They hadn't given up. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, I know I'm going down on the river when the fish aren't running, and I'm not. I'm not hanging around very long. <laughs> the way it is, the way I am, I'm not. A, I'm not a knockdown, dragout fisherman like Brother Ron or some of you folks. I'm going to go and sit by the campfire and roast hot dogs. <laughs> but these men knew what they were about, and they got after it, um, and they they didn't lack perseverance. What were the, was there a deficiency of fish in the sea? No, they were certainly there. We know for our, for our purposes, those natives haven't gone anywhere. Uh, but as soon as the master came, they swam into the nets in great schools. What then is the reason? It is because there is no power in the means themselves apart from the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without him we can do nothing, but but with Christ we can do all things. We know that from Philippians 4.4. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I think, you know, for me and I think for us, we need to start uh, getting a little bit more serious about claiming the promises of God. That is willing that none should perish, but all would come to repentance. That God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't just come out to save white people, Anglo-Saxons. He has much a heart for those native people, the Aleuts and the Tlingits and the Shimshians and the Athabascans. Uh, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. And I think we need to continue to, to keep not on the back burner but on the front burner the. The prayer needs for these individuals. Maybe go back there once in a while and and pick out a village and pray for the people in that village. What can it hurt? Won't God hear? Is it too hard for God? Are we just too lazy? Or don't we believe that God can work through us? Well, I want to look at one little portion of scripture. It's about this matter of the the parable of the soils. You Remember from Matthew chapter 3, 13, where it talked about the sower and the seeds and the soils. Jesus spoke many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. forthwith they sprung up because they had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell onto good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. The only thing I want you to note here is that when, you know, the when the, the seed was, uh, you know, the birds ate the seed when it was snatched away. Satan works like that. We know that he does. And we know that sometimes, and these things happen rather quickly. Sometimes, you know, we did have some people that made responses, but it didn't seem like it ever went anywhere. It seems like, you know, they had some interest and then it died out. Because that's, that's, that's like the, the seed that fell upon the stony places. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them out. A lot of the seed went out into some of these villages, and the priests came and told them, you better not look at any of that stuff or you're going to get in trouble with the church. I guarantee you they do that. Their own native traditions. And the neighbors would say, well, when anybody started talking about it and somebody wants to come along and quash what the, the neighbor might be thinking about, you know, they think we should really follow up on this. And some, most of them, some of them, it got choked out. But some fell among the good soils and then it bought for a fruit. And I want you to notice here, it doesn't say any time frame. You know that when you sow wheat, when you sow oats, when you sow corn, you don't get a plant overnight, do you? No. But you're going to get a harvest if, you, <coughs> if, you plant, if the seed is planted, if it's watered. And if, if the Holy Spirit, if God is working, he can bring an increase. And we should, we should, we should expect that God will bring results even in, in the days to come. As the Holy Spirit works, <coughs> he reproves people of sin and righteousness of judgment to come, that he'll begin to give them some light, some truth, Maybe to make things so hard in some of those villages, they have no place else to turn. Pray that way. Is it better that some suffer in the flesh that they would die and go to hell? We need to get serious about this work and to continue to pray. Pastor Humphrey's gonna have some teaching on fasting. Let's listen to that, let's take it in and let's put it into to effect. Do you care about those souls? in those villages? Do you care about any of the souls of the lost people that you know? Are they worth praying for? Are they worth sacrificing for? Jesus did. He gave everything he had for the souls of men. What less can we do than give all that we can do in our service to him? Okay, so we're getting to the end. We looked at the necessity for human involvement. We need to be involved in it. We need to be praying. We need to be taking. Remember how how beautiful are the feet that them that take the gospel. But you know, just it isn't just what we've done that's going to make the difference. And it was good that we sent out all that material. It was expensive. It was time-consuming, but it's going to bring. It's worth it for the souls of men. But what we need to see is that it's Christ's presence is what's going to confer success. The word confer means to give or to bestow. This word is particularly used to express the grant of favors, benefits, and privileges to be enjoyed, or rights which are be to be permanent, as to confer on one the privileges of a citizen. Well, what, <clears throat> what Jesus, what God is doing, is, is now preparing that seedbed of men's hearts in those villages to receive truth. Again, to quote Spurgeon, Jesus sat in Peter's boat, and by his will, by a mysterious influence, he drew the fish to the net. When Jesus is lifted up in his church, his presence is the Christ's power. John uh, is, is the church's power. John 12, 32, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. So as we go about this business of soul fishing, let's keep our eyes on the shepherd and bishop of souls and by faith and with great patience keep this ministry bathed in prayer and perhaps with fasting, expecting one day to see God bring about a miraculous harvest. And that, I want to go back and look at that element. When Peter was washing his nets, when he got done fishing, uh, it, the work wasn't over. Remember I said you had to wash out those nets so you could take them and so they wouldn't rot out and so they could be used again. Our work isn't over just because we've sent out all that material. You understand? The work goes on. Get serious. I'm telling you, get serious. Pray for, pick out one or two of those villages and pray for those people. Remember them every day. Remember that God wants to see His family to grow, His kingdom to spread across, <coughs> the, uh, the kingdom to grow into the hearts of men all across our state. Just like that seed, you know, we plant the seeds in the garden, plant the seeds in the flower bed, and it and it brings forth, you know, beautiful fruit. This is it right here. There's life in those little seeds. I took, I harvested, remember I told you about it? I harvested those starflower seeds, that little little tiny seeds from that volunteer plant. Came up all by itself. Remember that? Remember that? I took, I got a dozen of those seeds, and every one of them, I germinated every one of them. And every one of them grew up to be a big plant. They even gave some of them away. Well, there's life in this seed. There's, there's life in here in this seed of the gospel. We need to remember that God's word is living and powerful, and that if we can, we take it to those people, and we must enlist the power of the Holy Spirit to reach out to those people all time, uh, for all time, for, for eternity. Again, um, we need to be involved. Each and every one uh, to be to show even greater concern. Now this is where the where the hard work is really going to be begin. We put in a couple hours on Saturday, and that was great. But it's going to take multiplied hours of prayer and perhaps with fasting on our on our knees before God, beseeching Him to work uh, in power. Uh, we see God working in working miracles in places I never even anticipated in southern Africa, Botswana, Eswatini, Malawi, Zimbabwe, Mozambique. Why can't we have that here? Well, the seed was sown there by faithful men. We've sown the seed here in faith believing that God will work and uh, I believe that he will. So no matter of invitation but simply an exhortation to, to be serious about this. Don't leave this ministry off. It's just starting. You know, I'm old and beat up, but if the Lord says go out to one of them villages, I'll go out there and do what I can. It's worth it for those to see one soul saved. Amen. And pray for Tamra. It was wonderful to be able to talk to her the other day last Sunday, and to see God working on her. I was talking to her about God as my Creator. She was telling me about seeing the the, the moon rise and the sunrise and stuff like that down in the floor, and I started talking to her about God is Creator. She started to weep. God's working. God wants to work in this church, he wants to see souls saved. Pray for her. Pray for the souls of across our state of Alaska. Okay.